Our gospel reading this morning is the very familiar miracle story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. There are six separate versions of this story in the New Testament. In fact, it is the only miracle story in all four Gospels. And there are versions of this story repeated in both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark. As we read this story, think about why all the Gospel writers included it in the proclamation of Christ's life. And what fundamental messages for the Christian community it might contain. Now here, Matthew 14, 13 through 21, as found in New Testament, page 12, in your pew Bibles. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were five thousand men, besides women and children. The word of the Lord. On Monday, NPR's Diane Ream show focused on the unaccompanied children and adolescents attempting to flee the violence in Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador by coming to the United States. The Pew Foundation reports that more than 57,000 of these children under the age of 18 
arrived at our southwest border during the past nine months. With more than 10,000 arriving in the month of June alone, as you know, President Obama has asked Congress to allocate $3.7 billion to address this humanitarian crisis. The issues, as always, were thoughtfully discussed by Diane's guests and callers, and many different points of view were expressed. Some callers worried that if significant funding was allocated for these alien children, then there would not be a left, enough left to deal with needy children here in the United States. These callers' underlying argument was based on a fear of scarcity. There are many children in need in this country, one caller argued. Children in the inner cities and Native American children on reservations. The educational systems that serve them are woefully inadequate, and many children in the United States do not even have the basics, food and shelter. How can we afford to help those alien children when, oh, there is so much need here at home? Sounding like the disciples who told Jesus that they did not have enough food to serve the needy crowds, the comments of these callers revealed how endemic, how very endemic the fear of scarcity is to human nature. In response to the callers' assertions, one of the show's guests noted that if we saved money, by refusing to allocate funds to address this crisis, the savings would never, never be directed toward programs that help our own children. It just doesn't work that way. Ironically, a fear of scarcity creates more scarcity and feeds our tendency to acquire more than we need and tempts us to hoard. Usually, the more we fear being without, the more we accumulate and the less we share. On the contrary, as the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 illustrates, compassion evokes true generosity. And generosity yields abundant blessings. Now, problems such as immigration are multifaceted and complex. They require ardent prayer, informed thought, careful stewardship, and tremendous effort to untangle. Imagine, however, how our thoughts 
prayers and actions would change if we approach these problems from God's perspective of abundant compassion rather than our all-too-human fear-scarcity mindset. What would happen if we knew for certain that when an entire community lays aside its fear of scarcity and allocates resources through benevolent stewardship, then there always will be enough for everyone. Imagine what miracles would ensue. The astonishing agency of God's compassion, the amazing effectiveness of God's love is the central message in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. This story that all four gospel writers include. As the story was read, did you hear echoes of the Exodus? Through the story, we are reminded of how God provided manna from heaven to those wandering in the desert in search of the promised land. Like children wandering through South and Central America, the tribes of Israel were nourished by God's grace. This story of God's abundant compassion calls us to action. And we are told to act even if the timing is not right. Notice that in this story, Jesus acts. He does not preach a word. His compassion for the crowds impels him to action. Jesus cures their sick, prays over the bread, and tells his whining disciples to give the hungry people something to eat. It's not enough to merely talk about a problem, to send emails and texts, or to post on Facebook. Jesus tells his disciples, you feed them. The clear message here is that to be faithful disciples of Christ, we must show Christ's compassion and minister to a hungry world. The disciples wanted to send back home the crowds who followed Jesus into the desert in search of salvation. But as followers of Christ, we are called to welcome, not reject. Our faith is scandalized if we send back needy people. They cannot be dismissed. We also learn from this story that we probably will be called to exercise compassion at the most inopportune times maybe even at times when we ourselves are in need of healing. As the story opens, Jesus had just learned of the beheading and violent murder of John the Baptist. Understandably, 
Jesus, overcome with grief and anger, sought to withdraw to a deserted place to be alone. But when Jesus saw the overwhelming needs of the people, he put aside his need for solitude and ministered to them. And isn't that always the way things are? Our parents become ill and need our attention just when our jobs seem to be the most demanding. Our grown children need our help when our own money is tight. We are called to help a loved one or neighbor who is depressed, even though we have just experienced the death of someone dear to us. There's never a good time to practice abundant compassion. But nonetheless, that's our calling. In the summer of 2014, mainline churches have their hands full. The Presbyterian Church USA, our denomination, besides the normal pressures of gearing up for all the things that go on in the fall, is working hard to achieve reconciliation after the controversial marriage equality and divestment overtures passed the General Assembly. As you know, many of us are jubilant because of these developments, but many are hurting. Some churches are contemplating leaving the denomination, and some already have left. Now, in the midst of this hectic, busy summer, along come all these desperate, needy, unaccompanied immigrant children to our southwest border. As a church, our life is burdened right now. The timing is all wrong. But because we are compelled to show Christ's compassion, God's love, the church jumps into action. This past Wednesday, as you learned in an e-blast, the General Assembly asked all churches and Presbyterians to contribute to a refugee emergency fund designated to help Presbyterian churches and presbyteries along the border states to initially and on an emergency basis minister to the immigrant children. A call also was issued to create hygiene and school kits for the children. We were asked to advocate for their protection by writing letters to Congress. We were urged to pray. The timing is not right. We are too busy preparing for the fall programs, and still some are healing their wounds from General Assembly. But as the Church of Jesus Christ, our only choice, is to act decisively and immediately. And come to think of it, how better to reconcile a divided church than to rally around a ministry designated to save homeless, desperate children? You see that Jesus demonstrates in the feeding of the 5,000 that compassion yields abundance. 
with the receivers and givers being doubly blessed. If we follow Christ and extend ourselves in love, our baskets will be overfilled. As an illustration of God's abundant grace, this story foreshadows the Last Supper in which Jesus invites all to partake and takes the bread, breaks the bread, blesses the bread, and gives the bread to all. Boundaries and borders disappear. We, come, we become one in Christ and for Christ. Through the shared meal, all of God's children receive the food they need. All sojourners find salvation. May it be so. May it be so.